bonus episode, Behind the Scenes with Gretchen. Hello, everyone. I'm Jacob Chastain, host of the Teach Me Teacher podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educator's podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Elite educators, it's Gretchen of Always a Lesson, host of the Empowering Educators podcast, My goal here is to ensure that you stay empowered to hone your craft today, tomorrow, and always. We are losing too many great teachers to other professions, and I'm doing my best to provide guidance and inspiration so that you can retain your elite educator status and impact students and colleagues for generations to come. I am so excited for today's episode. It is totally different than anything I've ever done before. I'm bringing a special guest on to talk all the behind the scenes of Always Lesson and Gretchen. And that special guest is my dear husband, Adam. And I gave him the mic. He's going to be in charge of running the interview, asking whatever questions he wants to. Uh, I gave him permission for professional and personal and, and fun and serious. So we'll see what he comes up with. I'm not going to edit any of it, so it's just going to be raw footage for you to consume, to laugh with, to be lighthearted with, uh, and just get to know me a little bit better. And I'm also, at the end, going to have a few of my gal pals chime in with one question each that they want to ask me. So make sure you stay tuned at the end for some very fun questions for my gals. All right, let's jump in to who knows what this episode's going to be like. Let's pull back the curtain, see behind the scenes with Gretchen. Okay, are you ready? I'm, I'm supposed to, I got to introduce myself? Well, I don't have okay. anything in All front right. of me that is introducing, so this is your show. Welcome okay. everyone to the All show. Right. And tell them what is going to happen, and then we can get to it. Welcome everyone to the show. This is my show. I am Adam. I'm Gretchen's husband. Gretchen, today we are going to interview Gretchen and get to learn her, learn a little more about her. Um, I have prepared some questions I want to ask her, and I'm definitely going to take advantage of this situation. I'm just, for everybody's information, this is normally her most least favorite thing to do is answer my questions. That's so true. <laughs> What the audience may not know is um, by training, I'm a lawyer, or I'm sure she's probably told you that on some occasion. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not wasting any time on me. I'm going to ask you my first question. Are you ready? Well, like, what kind of questions are these? Oh, they're a mix. So uh, we're going we're gonna to get to know you a little bit. We're going to talk about some current events, a little bit of your philosophy on life and education. You know, we're just going to do a deep dive here on all sorts of things. I feel silly you're going to know the answer to all of these. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Okay. 
but but I might know some of them. And we'll close out maybe with some rapid-fire questions. See how you answer on the spot off the top of your head. Okay. You ready? I'm a little nervous. Okay. You sure? Okay. Question number one. What classroom, and, and you'll have to forgive me if Wait, I don't know. Wait, is this a correct, quiz? What do you mean? Don't, <laughs> don't ask. Don't, you'll have to forgive me if I don't know the correct lingo. But here, here you go. Oh, my God. What, what classroom, this is a two-part question. What classroom and or leadership techniques do you attempt to use on me? And the bigger part of that question is, do <laughs> they work? This is not about you. This interview is about my background. <laughs> well, but <laughs> you said it was my show. So I get <laughs> okay. to ask the first All right, question. I give you a lot of constructive feedback. Is that what you were going for? No, I'm asking, you know, what, so what, to, yeah, so constructive feedback, that's a, is that, would you think that's a classroom or a leadership technique or both? Definitely leadership. I mean, teachers give feedback too, but, um, and then just being very clear in my directions of what I'm asking you to do. So let's take, let's take those one at a time, constructive feedback and clear on directions. So how well do I receive the constructive feedback? Not, not well. I would say that's a zero out of 10. But I, I, I usually follow through when you give me good when we give me feedback. It may take me a while to come around, but I do a pretty good job. <laughs> Define a while. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, two days, days, two weeks, something like that, two months. It can't be much different than kids in a classroom, you know. Yeah, you definitely need some prompting, some intervention, some guidance, yeah. some positive so, so the praise. Positive praise. What about that? So give me an example of positive praise. Actually, if you want to, you could give me about four or five examples. No. If you have time. I no? would say, you know, I really like how you are walking out to the garage right now to get the lawnmower ready to cut the lawn. <laughs> One of my more favorite things to do. <laughs> exactly. Or clean up the exactly. pile in the corner of the room. That's right. And like the kids in, in your former class settings, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice to please the teacher. We're going to get out a clip chart and move you to red if you don't get it together. That's right. All right. I got, let's go to the next question. Okay. Cause I think this question is uh, relevant, um, not only, um, to, uh, me personally, but also to what's kind of going on in the current environment. Um, it's kind of open-ended. Why is it so difficult to teach your own kids? That's a that's a hard question to answer. But I would say I think because there's that emotional connection to them. So, for example, when you tell your child she needs to eat the rest of her meal and then you give in when she gives you a pouty face, you know, it's hard to be stricter because you're emotionally tied to them. And they're familiar with you. They they are not quite thinking that the authority is the same. So you cross that boundary, and it makes it hard. Well, whatever parents are out there giving into a child, they probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, they shouldn't. I don't know why someone would ever do that. No, and, and I suppose that also kind of carries over to the classroom. You know, teachers have to be stern and firm with their pupils, yeah. would you say? <laughs> yeah. Is pupils an archaic <laughs> word to use? It is kind of old school, but it's fine. 
Well, I suppose I don't know if everybody knows this, but my 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 old man was an educator, so and from way back, so I probably got a lot of old and outdated lingo. Does he say that? Me. I didn't know that. I don't know. Um, I also read. I took edu- I took a course on educational law in law school. Well, so and I, I think some of the court cases use pupil. Okay, yeah. a little impersonal, but that's okay. So, what made you want to become a teacher? My fourth grade teacher, Miss Lofi, she made learning fun, and I could picture myself doing what she was doing, and was excited to learn how to do it. And ever since, just been reading and watching what other teachers were doing, and kind of made it my goal and my dream to become that. So, how did she make it fun? What did she do? I just remember other teachers it feeling like I was learning. And when I was in her class, time passed and I was having a good time and I was learning. So to me, it was like I was less focused on what was happening. And because of that, I wanted to do that for kids. So needless to say, learning can be fun. Yeah, I guess I would say engaging instead of fun. But at the time, that was, you know, the word that I knew. Okay. Well, engaging sounds promising. Do you think promising. learning <laughs> Do you think you think learning can be engaging for everyone? Yeah, I mean, you certainly got to know your learners and understand what they would even find engaging and then try different ways to get them invested enough to be engaged. It's definitely a problem-solving aspect of teaching. <laughs> So one of the things I've always wondered is how how in a classroom full of different personalities and different characteristics and different background, you reach each person or each student uh, on that level so that it is engaging, recognizing that they're not all the same. How, how do you do that? How do you manage it with a finite amount of time during the day? Well, that's different. Managing, there's planning, then there's the execution, then there's the management of it. And so you've got to build relationships to understand your kids so you can even plan a lesson so that it can reach all those kids. Then when you're up in front of them live, you've got to use their feedback from their body language or their responses to figure out if you've nailed it or you need to tweak it. And then it comes to the managing piece of keeping them engaged once you've got them. And that takes a lot of reflection and fine-tuning but I would say that's kind of the process that every teacher does whether they have a new student it's a new school year new month new curriculum new chapter of a book I mean you're always having to tweak that engagement piece so in fourth grade you had your teacher that made learning fun or kept you engaged and that's when you first realized that you wanted to be a teacher Uh, throughout your time as a student and as an educator, do you ever ever have an educator that um, made you second guess that decision? I think anytime I got a teacher that I was not connecting with or didn't, it didn't motivate me. I paid attention like really closely so I could not do that. Now, before realizing I wanted to become a teacher, like let's say prior to fourth grade, I would have just tuned out, been miserable, told my mom, I don't want to go to school. It's not fun. But after that time, once I knew that's when I started kind of characterizing, this is stuff I want to do. These are behaviors I want to execute. And these are things I don't want to do. I don't want to make my kids feel like this. So it's fair to say you can, you can learn just as much for someone who may be modeling behaviors in an incorrect way 
uh, as you can. Maybe not the same amount, but you can learn from those just like you can learn from someone who's modeling the correct behavior. Yeah, I think I would learn more, actually, because it forces you to reflect and decide how you would do things differently. And that takes a lot of more brain power, which means it's going to stick in your brain longer, where if you see something you like, you tend to replicate it rather than making it your own. So I just think the effort on the side of analyzing the parts you don't like makes it stick. That makes a lot of sense. So... I got another question. I think one of the hardest things to do in any career, especially in the education profession, being a teacher, is balancing work and life. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you do that? How do you manage? You know, we've got a we've got two small kids here. Um, I know you're still involved in education, not necessarily in the classroom, but I think it's still applicable. We've got two small kids. Um, you got one big kid and me who you have to manage and, <laughs> and I'm not, uh, I'm not here, uh, often because uh, I'm off at work. How do you manage that in and keep up your business? Well, I think each phase of my career, I had to find what balance looked like in that season. When I was first starting teaching, I needed more money than what I was given. So I worked additional hours tutoring and babysitting. So that ate into my life balance and then when I, you know, became engaged, it was all about planning for the wedding and that sucked up a lot of my free time. And then it was married and I had to learn how to operate with someone else's schedule and find time for each other. And then we had kids and how do I be a great mom and hang up my teacher hat? And, you know, now it's having more kids and how do I run a business and still be able to be a mom? And now it looks very different than all those past seasons, but I think the main factor is prioritizing what has to get done. Like in the beginning, I had to make the ends meet. And now it's I have to make sure my kids survive. And those two things take precedence and everything else follows through. So I would just say my best advice on work-life balance is be flexible and kindly you know, reflect on what it is that you have to do each day and give yourself grace to not nail it, you know, not be perfect. And it's it's just... A problem-solving, a daily problem-solving act, I guess. Yeah, I, I would say it's not easy no matter what you do. And uh, anybody that says they've got that question figured out probably not being honest with themselves or honest with whoever they're saying they have it figured out. Yeah, and I think there are definitely so moments of time that I have it figured out or I find the balance, but it never lasts. So as long as you know how to solve this problem of seeking the balance, noticing the signs that you're out of balance, you're going to be okay. That makes a lot of sense. Or as I say sometimes, you probably don't necessarily agree with this, but I like to be comfortable in the chaos. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I know your answer to this, but uh, well, I'll ask it. Do you believe being a teacher and educator is a calling? Yes, but I do think there are people that could make a great teacher. And when I find them, I hold on to them tight and say, do you know that you have the skill set that's so hard to teach? It's, it's, it's natural. But there are people that I would say, I can teach you these things because you're passionate about helping kids or you're passionate about your subject and I can teach you the other things. So... I think it could be both, but I certainly say like the greatest teachers are someone that just have that it factor 
and can work on some of the other things. But as you know, I coach new teachers and I help them build their skill set from the ground up. And that's really rewarding. So I don't know. I guess I'm kind of on the fence, but I, I would tend to lean more towards the natural talent. That it is a calling. It's something that you're maybe born with. Yeah. or Yeah. A desire you have that you can't turn off. Like you keep ah, that thinking makes more about sense. it. And you know, if you go into another career a lot. So when I was coaching new teachers, they were career changers, meaning they were in a totally different career, had a degree for that career. And they realized I'm making a lot of money or I'm really successful, but I'm just unhappy. I've always wanted to be a teacher and my family told me not to do it. Or I was just afraid of not having a lot of money or I didn't know if I'd be great at it. And then once they started teaching, they just came alive. And, and you can't ignore that calling, as you said. Wait a minute. You mean teachers don't make money? <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Do you think teachers are paid fairly? I think there are some archaic systems in place that are not relevant for how teachers operate today. I think if teachers just showed up to teach a lesson and then exited, then maybe they do get paid fairly. But when you think about right now, all that goes into the preparation plus the additional duties they have to to partake in, whether it's lunch duty or recess duty, all the extra meetings, attending professional development, preparing for conferences and events, uh, all the paperwork. I mean, there's a lot of additional things that they are not compensated for. So maybe the act of teaching, yeah, maybe, but all, all the other stuff and then all the prep just to show up to teach, I don't think that they are compensated fairly for. And I don't know that I want to get into a discussion about the politics behind how to make that happen. And everyone in the world says teachers need to get paid more, but it just never ends up happening. Well, you're being nice and professional. I'll just say that teachers aren't not paid enough. And without teachers uh, like yourself and everybody that listens, we don't have all the other wonderful minds out in the world inventing and making laws and healing people. So um, you, you've said it very eloquently, um, but I'll say teachers are definitely not paid enough. And regardless of the politics behind it. There should be a way to pay more. Well, that's my opinion. So I can take that, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> um, I got another very important question that I, I know you'll agree with me. Um, can we agree that Common Core is stupid? <laughs> it's not stupid. <laughs> Just because you don't. I mean, like who does math way... like that? <laughs> Listen, I struggled. I didn't. I shouldn't say struggle. That's exaggeration. But math was hard for me, and until I started teaching it the Common Core way, did I understand the basis of a number? And that's where we're stuck. As kids have memorized a process, they don't understand the value of a number and they don't really understand how numbers relate. This is just an example for math. And they grow up to be adults that are just like, if they don't have the calculator or the phone, they can't do the math. Um, and then in terms of reading, it's a lot of real world application and really analyzing what you're reading instead of just answering simple comprehension questions. So for me, I a hundred percent think it's been great. I think every state has had its own challenges and they've been able to adjust the common core and they've renamed it to their own state standards. But a lot of the things I loved about it, every state has recognized and kept. Well, I'm glad you feel that way about it. Um, going back to a previous question about teaching your own kids. When our kids come home, 
with some of that uh, common <laughs> you core math. You are not going to mess up what the teacher does. No, because uh, I'll break I'll break out some long division on them. <laughs> don't don't you do it? Yes. Yeah, so, well, it's either that or, or they'll have to seek your help. <laughs> um, but there's a reason I there's a reason I went to law school and I'm not uh, in, in math anyway. So there's that. There's that. So um, back to a question about me because you said it was my podcast. <laughs> oh gosh, the uh, episode show. today. Here we go. Go ahead. Um, th- this is this is somewhat related. Um, if I were your student, oh. how would you attend? How would you attempt to reach me well let's just give some background on the type of student that you are can we do that (laughs) (laughs) i I think we're venturing away from education and more into um what your your i don't know your pot your audience may or may not know this did did you have a minor in psychology i did okay well this is where i get on the counselor's um, couch i welcome all of our audience um to join me on this couch as we dive deep into my uh, head and my inner thoughts. So go ahead. Let's talk about, let's typecast me, please. Well, Adam is very smart. If if you couldn't tell based on his degree, but because of that, he's so easily bored. He asked why constantly and any answer was then prompted by another why, because he wanted to dive deeper into that. And you just run out of answers at some point. That's kind of obnoxious and annoying. And two, he could easy. Al- <laughs> he could already tell what the teacher was going to say next. And so he was very easily bored. Like when he watches a show, he fast forwards through through the show, not just the commercials, because he's already knows what's going to happen. And he just wants to get to the next part. Every movie I watch with him, he's whispering to me what's about to happen. And that takes the fun out of it. So just imagine him in the classroom. And on top of that, he... Uh, can I... Uh, I, I want to interject. I'm not done. I'm not that, done. That, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. That's what we call foreshadowing. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you for that. And he's very social. Like, Adam has never met a stranger. So he wants to talk all the time. So not only is he chatty and he knows all the answers, but he wants to know even more of the answers. So he's just a very demanding student that won't just go with the program. He kind of just wants to, you know have his own individualized education plan of acceleration. And I always tell him, I am so glad you are not my student. You would give me a run for my money. I'm so annoyed just listening to the, the all the things you did to your poor teachers. <laughs> well, now you pipe cast me. How would you reach me? <laughs> oh, I didn't even what answer the do? question. I got a little <laughs> tangent. Oh, well, I definitely would By have the to... Way, By the way, my my ninth grade earth science teacher, Miss Hester, would love to hear about how active I was um, when I got in trouble for sleeping in her class. So, but go ahead. That's what happens when you're a teenager. Your whole biological clock is off. But anyway, building relationships with you, the best thing I've learned with kids that are really smart and they want to engage in the material. It's just not going fast enough. Like you would get frustrated with a kid reading and, you know, they didn't know the word and you're just like blurting it out. Is I would put you in charge of something, give you a responsibility, give you a duty so that you were busy preparing for that and feeling some ownership and being part of the class so you weren't distracting to everyone else that was trying to learn. I'd also provide you with instruction that was beyond what we were doing, whether it's project-based learning, so you could take what I taught 
and work on something more challenging that was a little more thorough and took a longer time rather than just a single activity and just kind of keep tabs on, on you and that behavior, whether we had to go to some behavior system or not and, you know, bring in your mom and dad in to make sure they're aware of what our plan of action is. My second grade teacher did that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. <laughs> what is a, what is, what is a, what'd you say a behavior management system? Yeah, like a behavior plan, like basically a, a rewards or consequences that was unique to you. So you'd have some goals you were going to work towards and you'd be earning points, you know, like we do with Lily to get, you know, you do these certain chores, then you could get this reward. Or if you do this for a longer period of time, you get X, Y, Z. So I would know what motivated you in that aspect and, and help you follow the protocol as much as possible. Well, that probably would have been very helpful. My behavior management came in the form of my father saying, if you get any conduct score on your report card other than satisfactory, um, I would be met with some sort of punishment. I mean, you really had the ability to be like this really strong student. You just were so bored. Well, then that's what's wrong with me. It's probably why I didn't go to Harvard. Oh, my gosh. Stop uh, it. I'll You're bo- I'll successful. Bo- I'll bo- I'll, I'll blame it on I'll blame it on my boredness. All right. No. Next now one. let's just pause a second because this sends a powerful message that you're putting so much emphasis on the college and the location of your degree and not on your output, which you know you were top in your class. You've had a ridiculous, amazing <laughs> job at a law firm that a lot of people would want and die for, and now you're CEO of another company. So. <laughs> Calm down with that. Well, I appreciate that. Well, um, but we got to get on more important topics here. So uh, a serious one. Um, kind of current events. Do you think uh, the coronavirus pandemic will permanently change education? If yes, how do you think it will change it? Yeah, I think right now we're noticing all the loopholes, all the, the issues. I mean, they, they, they've always been apparent. They've always been there. But this is forcing us to do something about it. How it's going to change, I'm not quite sure. Virtual learning, you know, works for some kids, not for others. Certainly say it can save a lot of money, but the inequities that's behind it is, you know, a huge barrier. However, you know, I think we're looking at a lot of the way we've set things up in terms of butts and seats equals, you know, a school day when it's more about the learning. So I think that might certainly change. I think toning down the amount of content we're going through and prioritizing what we're teaching. I think that'll change. The communication with parents has definitely increased. So I hope to see that hang around. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's definitely going to change us for the better, but we have to be willing to take this lesson and do something with it. So the next couple of months will be interesting at how states respond. I could not agree more. And I, I think it may be time for a little of change in education and it's probably the model's been in place for a long time now and i know there's a lot of things that are broken about it and maybe some good will come out of this storm so to speak yeah certainly overdue how many places have you lived <laughs> that's random eight you mean states eight yeah how many states yeah how many yeah. states have you lived in eight why are you asking that that's random uh, well what well what are those what what eight states are those 
Well, I was born in Kansas, moved to Washington State, then to Texas, then to California, then to Connecticut, then to New York, then to North Carolina, then to South Carolina, and now we're back in North Carolina. So, eight. Well, we'll just forget about that brief stop in South Carolina. <laughs> I don't know why you hate on it. There's listeners here from South no Carolina. Fin- no, f- no fin- Love South Carolina. Charleston, Greenville. Yeah, Charleston, and, we got married um, there. You should certainly love it. Uh, and I also grew up in Myrtle Beach, so... Not grew up, but I mean, I kind of live close by. Do you think that your the different geographies you've lived in have contributed to your perspective on education and teaching? Now I get why you asked that. Okay, yeah, I well, first of all, I think moving certainly prepares you to just learn how to adapt to new situations, to make new friends, to be able to not be scared and take risks, and I think that applies to. You know, my educational journey of changing schools and having different leaders and trying new jobs and going out on my own because I was prepared as a child that, you know, taking a risk is rewarding. Not that it works every time, but it certainly is worth a shot. So I would say any educator that can change grades, change schools, change districts, it's certainly going to prepare you and help you better understand your kids because if you only ever know one town or one way of thinking or one school district, the way they're set up, you're so limited into what the big picture is. And so it just gives you perspective when you have a lot of different experiences. Um, the next question is, how did marrying me help prepare you for your career? <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you kidding <laughs> How did marrying you prepare me for education? Or influence, influence your career. I'll say that I prepare you because you already had your career before me. I was about to, that was my answer. I, I did start before you. A big chunk. So the more, you. the more appropriate question is how did marrying me influence your career? Well, I'll tell you, those of you listening might not know this. So when I came down to North Carolina, I needed a job New York only was hiring folks that had experience in the classroom already, and me being fresh out of college, I didn't have that. And my cousin was moving down to North Carolina for job openings and said that they had plenty. So I went to visit her and fell in love with the place. And while I was down there, I was interviewing at schools. I was looking for apartments, and I stumbled across this one apartment complex in between interviews, and Adam was there. He was working part-time while he was going to law school. At this apartment complex. So in this one day, I sealed the deal out of school, met Adam and became in a relationship with him and got the apartment. So it was like the most wonderful day ever. What a great gig. You know, (laughs) girl moves in from out of state, has no real, no friends established in the new place yet. And I'm there to offer a helping hand. Anyway, so how did you, what's the question? Influence me in education? Yeah, influence you in your career. How did marrying me influence your career? And anyway, open-ended question. Hmm. And that impactful, huh? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. Well, here let, let 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 me let me tell you. Oh, you're gonna tell me my answer. Okay. Uh, well, let me let me just let me let me just tell you how I've impacted down this kid. I don't know. I well, think. I'm, go ahead. Folk. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say I have a lot of ideas that I bounce off of you and you help me understand the political side of things, the legal aspect of things. So that certainly has been great. 
Um, and then you were just encouraging me to, you know, not stay and work for a company when I can have a bigger impact nationwide and go out on my own. And, you know, I thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that and, and you being kind, but to anybody listening, thinking about stepping out on their own and having a significant other, it was, it was not quite, you know, as encouraging as you might seem, um, if you if you recall correctly, we had just gotten engaged and we took a trip to visit your parents who were having an engagement party. And while we were there, you informed me that you were quitting your job and starting your own business. So <laughs> that's not how I that happened. Didn't re- you, that, that is, that's how it worked. I mean, so you you, you deserve all the credit for uh, taking a leap of faith. Um, not that I didn't support it and do it, but I, I don't know that uh, you gave me much choice, <laughs> which is a good thing. Maybe that was my approach. <laughs> yeah. Well, as it is, and, and for those that don't know, you know, uh, Gretchen can be kind of black and white when it comes to some things. And when she makes her mind up that something is appropriate, then she sticks to her guns, which is something I love about her. Aww. We complement each other very well. That was sweet. So uh, a couple of ending questions for someone. Is this uh, the new rapid to fire the, section? No, we're not there yet. Okay. Um, for someone new to the uh, or, or new to the profession, um, what's the single most important advice piece of advice you could give them? New to the profession, single best piece of advice. I'm going to tell you what everyone tells you, and then I'm going to tell you what I would say. Building relationships is more important than the tactics that you've learned because until you can establish your leadership in the room and being connected to the people you're teaching, it doesn't matter like how cutesy your teaching lessons are or how amazing your classroom is run, like they're not going to respond. So you've got to know your people. But I would say preparation is the biggest thing that's lacking in teacher prep programs and in first year teachers. They're so overwhelmed with everything they have to do, they don't take the necessary time to really prepare, whether it's driving to school and you're running through your direct instruction or your mini lesson, or you're practicing in the mirror for how you're going to stand and how you're going to talk to have confidence. I think a lot of that prep accelerates your growth, so you're making mistakes um, offset rather than live in front of students. That's great advice. Um, Thanks. <laughs> that's really good. No, it is. It is. That's Can it's I really. Just ask I'm, I'm, you, I'm. What are you doing over I'm, there? There's a lot of shuffling of papers. How many questions do you have? Oh, I went off script a long time ago. So, <laughs> so, so I, I. But at least I haven't turned it into a deposition yet. Yeah. No. Thank you. No. No. But that that is that is very good advice. I, I believe in in a lot of. A lot of professions, and the one I came out of, you, you can't overemphasize preparation, and the lack thereof can really make a difference. I mean, you can be the smartest, you could be top of your class, top of your game, but if you're not prepared, you don't have the tools and the resources to get you prepared. It really can make a difference. So I think that's that's very uh, it's it's great advice. So when I when I interview people you know, either for jobs or when I used to do witness interviews, um, when I was preparing a case, one of my favorite questions to ask at the end is this, and, and it was, what question did I forget to ask that you would have asked you if you were me? 
I like that question. I might steal that and put that in the rotation. It just gives them the opportunity to share anything else that they want to say. Correct. Um, so what, if you were me, what would you ask you? Um, kind of, what would you ask you? Maybe why did I leave? I think in my head, when I left, that was a big question that I thought people so were let, going to ask let's, me. Let's back up. You mean, why did you leave the, the classroom? classroom? Yeah. And okay. I thought, and I think I would have left a lot earlier had I not been so worried about what people would say, because I'm a huge advocate of teaching and quality teaching and being in the classroom. And I felt like if I was leaving the classroom, then that makes me a liar when in actuality, I just met, I don't want you to leave education if you have an effective uh, characteristic or um, asset to give. And I believe that I am more effective now in what I do than I ever was in the classroom. And I wish someone would have said, you're not giving up on your kids. You're able to give more because you're helping this teacher and her 30 kids and this teacher and her 30 kids. And your impact is only going to get bigger. You are taking what you learned from the classroom teaching environment to helping coach and train teachers. And I just didn't really have the encouragement. And I think I was even afraid to maybe admit it or ask so if anyone is feeling like you want to change it up and go into leadership or change districts or teach online or whatever, I mean, if you're staying within education and you're a great teacher, like, I 100% encourage you to do it. I don't want you to feel bad about it. And if you decide that this isn't for you and you want to do something else, that's okay too. But you've got to be okay with your own decision. And, and I would say, although I left the classroom, I never really left teaching because a lot of what I do is centered on great quality teaching. I love it. To sum it up, if anybody's trying to hold you back, just say, screw you, Karen. You do you. <laughs> Karen. Dream big. Do it. Kick butt. Rapid fire questions. You ready? Ready. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream. Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. A lot of Facebook. Pizza or Caesar salad? Oh. Well, because I can't have Caesar salad right now. Pizza. Born with it or it can always be learned? Well, yeah, I said that already. I don't know. I guess more born with it. Well, that's all I have for my episode. <laughs> well, I'm so glad this Adam episode was different unique and i thank you for being willing to host and show a little behind the scenes is there anything else you want to awesome. say uh, no anytime um you know i think it's pretty awesome what you're doing i, I know your audiences get a ton out of what you uh, do on a weekly basis so um keep up keep on keeping on <laughs> thank you all right i love you i love you bye bye Okay, that was pretty fun. I have to admit, I was shocked by some of his questions. A lot of them I had to really sit and think about because I thought for sure he knows me so well. Like, how he would he not know the answer to these questions? But I think we really covered a lot of ground, and maybe you've heard something that you haven't heard me say before. So that was kind of the effort behind him being in charge of showing a little bit more about me and you know, how I got to where I am and, and what I'm passionate about. And 
you know, of course he made me laugh. So hopefully (laughs) that wasn't too annoying for you. But as promised, I'm going to bring in some questions from my gal pals. Uh, We vox all the time. So all I had them do was vox me one question they wanted me to answer. I've not listened. I've just inserted them into this program I'm using to record the podcast. And so I'll hear it for the first time with you and then I'll give my answer. Hey, y'all, I just want to take a quick second to let you know support for this episode is brought to you by PowerSchool. They know teachers go above and beyond for students, but teachers need help too, especially as they're asked to do more every day. And that's why PowerSchool, now with Schoology, combines SIS, LMS, and assessment technology, empowering teachers with more time for what really matters. Visit www.powerschool.com slash time for teachers to find out how teachers are using technology to unlock student success. PowerSchool, time for teachers. So let's dive into the first question. Hi, Gretchen. My question is, what has changed the most in education from the beginning of your career until now? Okay, that's my girlfriend, Kristen, from Nashville Littles, if you follow her on social media. Oh, she's so sweet. That is, gosh, so much has changed. When I first started teaching, I had a planner that the school gave me. It was literally like a monthly calendar, and we wrote in the page of the textbook we were teaching, and we had a scripted math curriculum, Saxon Math. I don't know if anyone ever taught that, but literally it came in file folders, and you just passed out the amount of copies you needed, and the lesson plan was right there, so there was nothing for us to write, and our writing curriculum was Lucy Calkins, so we just pretty much had to write that in. I mean, that was my lesson planning. Everything I had done in college of writing these thorough lesson plans, I didn't have to do. And uh, now it's totally not like that at all. Now we write, you know, novels. <laughs> and we rewrite them the night before because when you have to turn in your lesson plans weeks in advance, they tend to change. So I would say... The whole aspect of teaching, when I first started, it was a lot of direct instruction. It was all about me showcasing control of the room and behavior management and very little about the students. And now it's all about small groups and personalized instruction. And in fact, when I moved to my last school, uh, the principal is walking by with the literacy facilitator and whispered to her, God, every time I walk by, she's always working in small groups with students. (laughs) And the facilitator was like, that's actually a best practice now. She's doing what she should be doing. And she's like, I just want to see her teach, you know, because she was old school. She had been a principal for decades and just really wanted to watch me do my thing. And she can never just time it right. So that tells you I adjusted well um, and I always was able to perform even though I had to change everything that I was doing in the classroom. Great question, Kristen. Thanks so much. Hey Gretchen, it is Cole from Teach Glitter Grow and I have a question for you. So every time I talk to you, which is basically every day, (laughs) you are always doing all the things. You are momming so hard, you are podcasting, you are blogging, you are creating resources for teacher leaders, for teachers, you're coaching, you're working with your mastermind. I mean, just like all the things. So my question to you is how do you motivate yourself to do so many things? Because I know that there's no way that you wake up every morning feeling like 
okay, I'm just going to do 500 things today. <laughs> I know I don't feel like that most of the time. So do you have any kind of tips or tricks to motivate yourself and keep yourself on track? I know it's easier when you're doing things that you love, um, but you still sometimes just have those days. So if you have any pointers that you can share with me about just how to get stuff done um, and keep yourself motivated and going, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Oh, I can't. My ride or die. She's right. We talk every day. Um, this is Cole, by the way. Teach, glitter, grow. Thank God for Voxer. This is literally these past two folks that have asked questions are mamas of littles. And this is how we stay in touch because we cannot be available at the same time. It is not possible. Someone is screaming. Someone is napping. We, we're trying to nap. We're trying to get the house clean. Like, thank God for the app Voxer. And Cole has been my accountability partner for years now, helping me make sure I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. And I do the same for her. But it's also just a great personal relationship of, hey, go ahead and take that nap. And it's okay that your kids got to watch a show today. Like, you're not a horrible mom. And oh my God, this is the worst day ever. You know, just having that person to talk to. So I highly encourage you all to find that someone you can connect with. And by the way, both Kristen and uh, Cole, I have not never met in person. So they're both in different places, Tennessee and Texas, and then I'm in North Carolina. So it, they, you, you can meet these people through Facebook or, you know, social media outlets or whatever, and just strike up conversations and learn about each other. And you'll find so many commonalities. But one of the things that Cole and I do and why we balance each other so well is she's so creative and she gets inspired. And man, when she gets an idea, she will just sit down and do an entire product for a classroom or a blog post or a lot of pins for Pinterest or whatever that she does um, to give back to education while she's home with her littles. And I'm like, I don't operate that way. So it's funny that she's like, hey, how do you get your stuff done? Because she's right. Like she operates from inspiration. I do not because I, I just my I just don't work that way. And Adam even said in this episode, I'm so black and white. Now I make myself a schedule of like the must do thing for that day, whether it's for being a mom, like my kid has got to go to school today for the house. I have got to find something to eat for dinner and get it out of the freezer before noon. So it has time to defrost. And then something like for me, I would like to take a nap and then something for my business. Like I've got to get a blog post out or a podcast episode, or I have to contact that school to follow up for a professional development session, or I have my mastermind with my teacher leaders tonight. You know, whatever it is, I always have one big thing that I have to tackle and then if I get anything else done it's like an amazing day right so I think being realistic with your expectations and most recently and Cole knows this I had a really hard task and I just couldn't push through and I wasted so many hours of so many days pushing through this uncomfortableness and forcing myself to show up even if it was for five minutes because that was the only way I was going to work through the mental block if I kept avoiding it there would be days and days that went by that I wasn't making progress. So I would say the two things that keep me focused besides being black and white and I can't help it, sorry, and, and you know, have that scheduled for myself is saying to yourself, I don't feel like doing XYZ right now. Is there something else that I can get done that's due this week that I can do now? I'll just rearrange. Or can I just sit down and work on some aspect of this? to make forward progress. And then through doing that, that dedication 
over time, you start to get momentum and momentum builds the inspiration once you start feeling a little success. And that's what I realized how I got out of my rut was I just kept showing up and it was literally in five minute increments because I was dreading what I was working on. And as, as I started figuring it out and working through the blocks, I got motivated and the more I got motivated, the more I wanted to sit and then I got inspired and like I couldn't be stopped and I got it done. So I would say if Cole and I could come together and have passion and some of that like rigid schedule and and forcing yourself to just push through, I think you could be really productive and really successful. So what I think she and I have both learned about ourselves is knowing our own styles and pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone. We have such short amount of time between kids' naps to get anything done that we need to. So being really intentional with our time was like step one. And then step two, it's like it's now or never. Like you're not we just don't have a lot of time to do what we need to do to help teachers. So we've got to push through when we just don't feel like it. We have to give ourselves grace if we're truly tired from our kids not sleeping because they're teething or they're sick or whatever. Um, but I would just say Everyone brings something to the table and Cole, what you bring to the table makes you great and what I bring to the table makes me great. But I think if we can pull from each other and and find some way to operate a little differently, it'll certainly move us to the next level. Hey, what's up, Gretchen? All right. So since the day we met, even though we've never met in person, I've always wondered this about you. So now's my chance. Gretchen, what's your biggest kitchen fail? (laughs) This is Amber Harper from Burned In Teacher. We have hooked up numerous times to work together, so I'm sure uh, you have followed her by now or know of her. Uh, She and I talk on Voxer quite often, and Marco Polo, she introduced me to that app. And thank goodness for her for pushing me beyond my comfort zone. Um, She's being fun here because clearly... I hope this is not the one thing that she's been dying to know about me. Uh, biggest kitchen fail, I would say, on the daily is I just don't make food. I don't I don't necessarily cook. I mean, if there's a recipe, I can follow it. But if it's frozen, that's kind of my jam. And if it takes less than five minutes, it's really my jam. So you won't count me, like, in the kitchen doing anything but baking. I do like to bake. Um, but I would say... I did tend to make chocolate chip cookies is my specialty from scratch. I mean, that's not that impressive, but there have been times where I might have mixed up the ingredients <laughs> or didn't quite measure correctly and they came out quite goopy. Now, Adam did and his friend ate an entire plateful of flat bleeding together cookies and they said they were great. So I messed that up. Um, but there haven't been any major events like in a really important date or trying to impress anybody with a meal because I purposely don't put myself in that position. We either order out or Adam will grill and then I don't have to um, fall on my face. All right, Gretchen, one more. All right. If you had to give up one thing for the rest of your life, would it be brushing your hair or brushing your teeth? Your questions are funny. Um, Clearly, it's going to be brushed my hair. And my best friend growing up will tell you that this is for sure something I rarely did. Like, I cannot be bothered with beautifying myself. Like, it is too much. I don't enjoy it. 
I am uncomfortable the entire time I'm put together. I just want to be in shorts and a t-shirt with my hair in a bun and call it a day. And my girlfriend would always said, like, why don't you just brush your hair? You just kind of like put it behind your ear or run your hands through it. And you think it's like combed. And I'd be like, yeah, like I don't have time for all that. Like she had bobby pins in her hair. Her hair was always in an updo. And here I was like matting my hair down <laughs> with that brush. So I'd be totally fine not brushing my hair the rest of my life. That'd be totally cool. <laughs> Y'all are learning all the horrible secrets about me now. Hey, Gretchen, it's Nicole from Simply Coaching and Teaching. My question is, what is your biggest challenge with having children at home and working full-time in your business? I mean, I clearly had to have Nicole on the podcast. Um, God, I've known her for a long time. None of these folks I've met, and I'm just so thankful that we're like, you know, best friends. And... Nicole, for sure, she and I have very real talk. Like, we call each other out on stuff. She pushes me beyond anything that I am comfortable with in making me a better person, a better educator. And she knows my current struggle right now is that balance. Like, I so badly want to give everything I have to educators, but I also need to raise my kids and be the type of mom they deserve to have and being able to find the balance. I mean, right now, it's nap time hustle. Um, Speaking of, the moment exactly right now, it's 9.15 in the evening. Girls are in their beds. I am watching them on my phone as we speak, and I am recording this instead of binging Netflix or doing something else that I want to do. So... And in this episode, we were talking about balance and each season has been different. When I first had Lily, who's my oldest, I had a lot more time because it was just her and she was a baby and she slept a lot. So I was still working for the new teacher project. I wasn't going in and coaching, but I was doing all the teacher hiring and the interviews and placing them into our teacher prep programs and, you know, doing everything I could from a computer. And I had plenty of time. And so balance was just fine. And then she got to learn to walk and crawl and get into everything. She was a climber like a monkey. And I was like, I can't do this. And I had to step away from the new teacher project and start my business from the ground up and just do a little bit at a time and then got pregnant and which meant I was tired and didn't have as much energy and then I had two kids and had to figure that out which meant I pretty much was not working unless it was a weekend or it was in the evening and I just happened to not be tired. This is the most I've ever worked because both girls play so nicely together that I'm able to have my computer out throughout the day and chime in and do a little this, a little that while they're doing things together and then, you know, go outside and play with them or go on a walk with them or take them to whatever events they have. And then, of course, during nap time and in the evenings, I can do a lot of the concentrated stuff. It's certainly hard, but I would say grace is on my mirror in the bathroom. And every morning I say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try my best to be an amazing educator and amazing mom And that's just going to be my goal. And if I fail somewhere along the way, at least I know I gave it my best effort and to stop being so hard on myself. And I put a lot of boundaries in my life. Like I can't say yes to everything, whether it's friends or whether it's professional things. Like I just have to prioritize the bare minimum right now. I've called on Cole and Kristen to help with other things in my business because I know 
that they're home, they know my business well, they're, they're willing to jump in and help where they can. And so that's been really helpful to take the edge off. But as you know, I'm pregnant again, about to have a baby. So things are going to change again in August and I'm going to be back to barely getting by, super tired. You know, I can't, I don't have two arms anymore. I'm holding the baby and trying to make it work. And I know you mamas understand and it's, it's hard. I would say just decide what your, what your goal is for that day. And if you get that one thing done, great. Like don't compare your current reality to your past because that's what I did. I compared myself to who I was before kids or who I was with one kid or who I was with two kids or who I was against Nicole, whose kids are grown or who I was against Cole, who has two little ones at home, both taking naps or who I was against Amber, whose kids are also older and she has an educator husband to help chat things through. And, you know, you can't keep comparing yourself to other people or your past self. You just had to be present in the moment, give yourself grace, make the best you can of every moment and just keep moving because it gets easier. You find your flow, you find your balance and it's been great. It's been really rewarding and I'm thankful, but more importantly, I'm so thankful for all of these folks that jumped on. Adam, thank you for being (laughs) the host of this podcast today to Kristen and to Cole and to Amber and to Nikki. Thank you so much for jumping on with your serious and your silly questions, bringing a smile to my face, being such great friends, great support system. I hope you guys have enjoyed this really random, weird behind the scenes episode with me. But there's lots of little tidbits in here to carry you through the summer and into the new school year. So I hope you share with me what your takeaway is. And I'm certainly going to see you in more bonus episodes over the summer. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast, Bonus Edition, Behind the Scenes with Gretchen. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.